Today's episode of From the Rose Garden is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn, or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to therosegarden.robinhood.com. That's therosegarden.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. I'm Damian Lillard, and you're listening to From the Rose Garden on the Athletic Podcast Network. Rep City! Both teams play hard. Both teams play hard. Both teams play hard. Both teams play hard. Hello and welcome to another episode of From the Rose Garden, your Portland Trailblazers podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave DeFord, joined as always by my man, Jason Quick. Jason, how's everything? Everything's great, David. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been an odd week, but uh, you know, um, some some good stuff happening. Damian Lillard possibly having the best stretch of his career, uh, rewarded with the Western Conference, the illustrious Western Conference Player <laughs> of the Week. You know, in those three games that that they kind of counted for that, he's averaging fifty two point seven points, nine point three assists, and seven point three rebounds, which you know, it's only three games. Th- those numbers are ridiculous. But this stretch really started. It's it's more of a five game stretch. If you count the two 34 point games that he had uh, yeah. against uh, Dallas and Oklahoma City, even though they were both losses. I mean, you know what, what this team has been fighting through and, and you know, with illness and injury and, and all of this stuff. And this guy is, I mean, just he's on a tear like I've never seen him on ever. Well, I think this is the best stretch of his career, without question. And I, I think even he would probably acknowledge that. And the thing about it is, it's the timing of it. We, we've seen him come up big before and kind of will this team into the playoffs. But he has recognized that this season is slipping away. And if we don't do something, then it's going to get away from us. And so he took it upon himself. And he has really asserted himself. You you can see it in games. He's coming coming out and firing right off the bat, right off the jump. And it's really been something to see where, where early in the season, he was very concerned with getting other people involved and making sure the team kind of felt some ownership in what they were doing. But now it, the time is for him to kind of activate himself and get into playoff mode. And 
he said, you know, for much of the season, he was concerned about conserving his energy. And, you know, he couldn't go into this mode too early because by the end of the season, he'd just be exhausted. But uh, he recognized the danger that this that this season was in. And uh, he's done it earlier. This is the earliest he's kind of gone into this mode in his career. And, uh, you know, I have a story out this morning kind of examining his mindset and I, I think his mind is just as powerful of an asset as his incredible physical attributes uh this guy is able to will himself will his teammates to great heights and i don't know if i've been around a more headstrong player you know he calls himself stubborn and, and it's kind of an apt description because he just refuses to believe that he will lose or that his team won't get in the playoffs. And I remember one year, I think it was uh, 2016 and, or it might've been 2017 when the, the NERC season. And I, I kind of questioned him. We were in Dallas after a game and I was kind of saying, you know, you still think there's hope. And he got angry with me. And this is back when I was doing TV, I was doing a, a, a hit on the court and he was walking across the court to the team bus and he looked at me shook his head he's like i can't believe you would ask me that and he, he was still disgusted that i would even uh, have the audacity to to wonder if this team would make the playoffs with him on the roster and uh it's much like that now where he says look if i'm going to go out i'm going to go out with a fight and uh, it, it's going to be a brawl. And, and that's the mentality and the attitude that he has brought to the court. The last, I, I would say this whole month, I mean, he's leading the NBA in scoring in the month of January. But particularly, I think, from, from the midpoint of this month, he has been incredible. And in, in today's story, I think uh, I kind of highlighted the January 15th game at Houston. It's probably the win of the season for the Blazers. And he had kind of a, a back and forth with Russell Westbrook in the fourth quarter. They both ended up getting technicals. But that kind of showed that back and forth with Westbrook standing up to his chirping kind of shows that, hey, we're not going to be bullied here. We're going to go down with the fight. And I think that I don't think it woke him up, but it it kind of uh, accentuated his urgency and his uh, fight. And so it, it's been really incredible to watch him, uh, particularly these last three games, 61 points, 47 points, 50 points. And you also throw on there his 61 point game. He had 10 rebounds and seven assists. His 50 point uh, game Sunday against Indiana, another good win for this team on a night when everyone is kind of playing in a funk because of Kobe Bryant's passing earlier in the morning. He has 50 points, 13 assists, six rebounds, and only one turnover. He has been at an extremely, extremely high level, and it's at a time when the Blazers need it most. Oh, I mean, this is what great players do, right? This yep. is this is what separates the guys, the the Damian Lillards from the you know the run of the mill good players is that you can have these stretches where you're you're just like you know what I'm going to throw my team on my back. The biggest problem that the Blazers have is just lack of talent outside of Dame, right? Like it's it's just impossible in the NBA to, to have, you know, a, a dearth of talent 
and and expect to win games. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at the standings right now, and they're only three games back from the eight seed, and it's Memphis. So you know the yeah. the the idea that Memphis has this locked up or something, which I don't think anyone's even saying. You know, let's let's not go there. I think the Blazers still have just as good a shot as anyone getting the eight seed, but they still have to make up three games. Yeah, I mean, and there's plenty of time, but I think that the interesting thing, you know, starting tonight with the game against Houston, then they go to play the Lakers, then Utah, then Denver, then San Antonio, then Utah, then Miami. This is a pretty daunting stretch ahead of them. But what's going to be interesting is this is their team. You know, they, they've got Ariza. McCollum came back Sunday. And the first time that they've all been together, Dame, CJ, Ariza, Carmelo, Whiteside, they look great on Sunday. Put up 139 points. Uh, it was probably the most entertaining Blazer game of the season. It was just a beautiful brand of basketball, really, uh, offensively. And so I'm going to be really interested to see how this group meshes and plays off each other. I think Trevor Ariza has been, he's really given them something offensively and defensively. I, I think his size has been uh, a really nice addition to this team. And you can see that he knows what he's doing out there. He, he has great savvy and great instincts of uh, on the defensive end of how to help, where to be. Uh, so I'm going to be really curious to see uh, how this group plays together and they're going to be tested. And then of course, you know, we're seven, eight days away from the trading deadline. And it's going to be, I'm going to be really curious to see what Neil Olshay does. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's so tough right now to predict, you know, they, they made a move that helped them duck the tax, but at the same time, they got Trevor Ariza, who at least in, in theory is going to be a better player for them than Kent Bazemore was, you know, just having, having another adult, you know, on the basketball court, just so it matters so much. Well, he's a better fit for this team. He's, he's, He's not playing up a position or out of position. You know, small forward is his position. Kent Bazemore is not a small forward. He's right. a he's a shooting guard. You know, six four shooting guard. It, it means a, a ton to be six eight <laughs> yeah. uh, when you're playing small forward. So it's a, it's just a better fit. Yeah, I, I, and they've been undersized. You know, since Hood went down, essentially. You know, basically sliding everyone up. I mean, at times. Yep. You know, you had Simons out there, you know, trying to guard guys that were, you know, had him by a few inches. And so it's just tough. I mean, at least the, you know, he does add that flexibility on the wing, which uh, it's a wing league. So, you know, if, yeah. you don't, if you don't have guys that can guard wings, you're, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I, I, this is, I don't know if it's going to be their complete team because they're still the trading deadline, but this is the best semblance of a, normal team that they've been able to put out since probably since Hood's, Hood got injured. You know, they, they don't have a six, eight guy playing center. They don't have a six, four guy playing small forward. This is a legitimate, uh, kind of fundamental team. And, and, and let's not dis discount that CJ McCollum's back and CJ looked great in his first game back against the Pacers. I believe he had 30 points. And, uh, I, I think that really helps Dame as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, as we have kind of 
not teased, but we, we've talked about this all year. This has been the thing. You just got to stay close enough until the reserves arrive. And, yeah. you know, we, we're, we're weeks away from, from Nurkic coming back. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think it's possible he might come back next week. I haven't got any kind of follow up reports on how Nurkic's body has responded uh, to his full contact practice. It's just been, you know, with Kobe's passing, things have been yeah. out of whack. You know, we, we didn't have pregame access on Sunday. Monday was off. Tuesday, uh, you know, it, it was just a, a different feeling around practice and different questions being asked. And I think the Nurkic return has kind of been put on the back burner. And um, it's, it's probably some of my reporting error that I, I didn't follow up. And, you know, how was Nurkic? Did he practice again? I, I still don't know that if he if he did go through practice on Tuesday. So uh, I'll ask that kind of stuff tonight. But what people are telling me is that there hasn't been any red letter date or or game circled where they're hoping to have him back. It could be before the All Star break. It could be after it. It's all going to depend on Nurkic and how his body feels and how where his mind is at. There are a lot of mental hurdles that he's going to have to clear. But I think clearly everything, at least of what I've been told, is moving in the right direction. And that I say that without knowing how his body reacted to that full contact practice. And oddly, he was not at Sunday's game against the Pacers. And I, and I don't know why he, he wasn't on the bench uh, or at the arena. We talk about physical fitness a lot, but there's another side to the game that's just as important. I am talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body. And Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. For LeBron, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash blazers. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash blazers. That's calm.com slash blazers. I, I want to circle back uh, to the story that you wrote last week um, that we didn't have time to talk about about the relationship between Nurkic and Lillard. And you've sort of, you know, you've kind of teased at it on the show all season. Yeah. And, and you know, the story came out. I highly recommend it to everybody listening, Bobo and Uncle Nurk. It's, it's almost like an unlikely friendship. Yeah. It's almost like an odd couple. You know, yeah. One's big, one's small. Uh, one's really kind of brash and uh, cocky, and the other is reserved and kind of to himself. but. You know, it's one of those things that as a reporter, you just kind of throughout the years, you observe things and things kind of stick out and your antenna kind of comes out. And this relationship between Nurk and Dame has been interesting to watch evolve. It used to be kind of, it started out as this mentorship where, where Dame was really trying to shape Nurk into being a professional, professional because when Nurk came to portland from from denver 
he was this immature, uh, mouthy, uh, kind of petulant sinner. And when Nurk came to Portland, he knew that his career was kind of at a crossroads, that he had been labeled this malcontent and uh, this pouty guy. And he felt like he was misused in Denver. It really hurt him that they that he got benched and they, you know, chose Jokic over him and uh, that that it didn't work out. And he felt like his pouting and stuff was uh, him fighting for himself. At any rate, he comes to Portland and and Dame can starts out mentoring him and shaping him and saying, hey, no, there's going to be no excuses. Uh, I need you to work and this is what you need to do. But then it started really kind of blossoming and they got to know each other. And I, I try to explain in there and it, and it really kind of clicked for me once Mar- Mario Hazonia joined the Blazers. And I, I started asking him about Nurkic and uh, I mentioned to him, have you noticed how tight he is with, with Dane? And Mario was like, oh my God, yes. I was blown away because in our culture, we don't trust people. We don't trust people easily. And he came, comes and sees Nurk. You know, he played uh, with Nurk when they were teenagers uh, in Croatia. They were on the same club team. And he hung out with Nurk a little bit. Their, their families knew each other. They went to movies every once in a while, but they were still very standoffish. This is still kind of this, you know, ah, duh, do I really trust you? Do I really like you? Uh, that kind of dynamic. And so when he saw, came to Portland and saw Damon and Nurk so tight, it really, uh, he was really taken aback. And Nurk, as he was being mentored by Dame, he really got a sense that this guy cares about me. It's not just about the points and rebounds that I get and the wins. He cares about me and, and about my career and, and how I'm feeling. And once he let Dame in, then, you know, the, this relationship really took off. And uh, another big factor was when Dame had his son in, in March of 2018. And, and Nurk is a huge kid guy. He, he, he just, there's something about kids that, that makes him go. He, he thinks they're the, the most innocent and pure thing on this earth. And, and so he really took a liking to Damian Jr. And became really involved in his life. And to the point where he would just show up to Dame's house. And Dame would open the door. And Nurk would just walk past him and go, where's Fat Man? That's, that's what they call Which him. is, I love. I love that so yeah. much. Yeah, they call Dane's kid Fat Man because he's a he's a very big kid. He's not necessarily fat, but he's a big kid. So, anyways, he's called Fat Man. And he'll he'll just walk past Dame and go, "Where's Fat Man?" And then they'll you know find him in the living room. And then he'll be playing with him. And and Fat Man doesn't like to be handled and touched, but with Nurk, puts him in his big hands and he lifts him above his head and you know turns him into an airplane doing somersaults and you know loop-de-loops and it's just really a cool thing so i i've just been kind of observing this and uh i remember when i was doing the the carmelo anthony story and uh talking about relationships and friendships and and uh, how people are misinterpreted how how carmelo kind of had this uh this label about him and, and dame said you know it was the same thing about nerd 
Yeah, I think it's, that, people forget that. People yeah. forget that he had the, uh, an awful reputation. Right. And he said, you know, look, Nurk is one of the best, fr- one of my best friends in the world. And I kind of went, whoa, really? And so uh, then I kind of started exploring it more. And it, it, it's really a cool, it, it's a cool story in a lot of different ways. Because one, it, I think it really embodies what the Blazers are about and what Dame's about. Uh, the leadership, the friendship, the family, uh, holding people accountable. That's, those are all things that are really stressed inside the Blazers. And if you're around it every day, it becomes a part of their life and, and part of the culture. You really feel it, how Dame stresses that stuff, that we're staying together. We're, we're not pointing fingers, but you're going to get called out on BS if you try to pull BS. But it's it's very much about we're all in, in this together and let's make each other better. You you get a sense of that, but it, it, it's also that chemistry that Dame and Nurk have on the court that's really been missing this year from the Blazers. And I think you really get a sense of it. I, sometimes, like as a beat reporter, you you're so into it that you you're so close to it that you don't realize. Uh, you're you're not able to step back and realize how important someone is. Like I always knew Nurk was a very talented player and, and very important to the Blazers. But once you take him out of the equation and watch it for half a season, you really realize just how important he was to this team, offensively, yeah. defensively, uh, as a passer, and and the chemistry that him and Dame had in that pick and roll, and how important that pick and roll was to this team so all that you know it's all kind of wrapped up in one and um i don't know i just tried to capture it i I think it's a really cool friendship uh that has developed and evolved over the over the three years that nurk's been in portland yeah i mean it's a great story i mean you've just been on fire the last (laughs) few weeks man like um, I, you know, I, I I think about Dame a lot because uh, you know, my background as a coach, uh, the leadership stuff is actually like it's fascinating to me because there there are different leadership styles, mm-hmm. and uh, there are guys that are barkers, and and I think Dame is is very good about knowing who you can bark at and who you can't. Yep, and it's such a fine line. I mean. We all know this just from dealing with people in our in our everyday lives. There there are guys that or 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 people that you know you can deal with one way, and you know you have to deal with another way. And it Absolutely. just seems like Dame has figured that out for every single person. And so it's you know it's really cool that he's actually you know uh, helped this guy not turn his career around because I mean he was clearly talented and, and was going to be in the league, but he's completely changed the perception of Nurk. Yeah, and it, well, I I think he has changed his his career. You know, his work ethic, the way he the way he plays. I I, I think he's helped Nurk see the game in a different way. You know, and Nurk talked about having the ability to play with a superstar, but not only play with him, have him take him under his wing. They would sit next to each other on the on the plane. And go over every possession, and and Dame would be going, "See this? This is wrong. Don't do that." You know, and that meant a lot to Nurk. So he has shaped Nurk's career and and made him a better player. Sure, Nurk had that talent, but he needed someone to mold him and direct him and ride him. 
And it, it's been a, you, you're, you're totally right, Dave, in that Dame has a great sense and has a great pulse of the team and knowing who and when he can crack the whip and when he needs to put an arm around a guy and kind of nurture them. And the unique thing with Nurk is he needs a little bit of both. He's a guy that you can, you know, use the F word with and, and get in his face. But he's also a guy that needs to be stroked and be told that, no, no, you're important and I, I still love you. I, I'm still going to go to you. So it's been a real kind of juggling act, I think, by Dane. But it, again, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to fully explain how great a leader Dame is. And I think that's why I continually try to write stories to illustrate this because it's not just one thing. It's such a collection of traits and examples uh, that he, that he employs throughout a season throughout his career that it's really hard just to say, this is what makes him a great leader in, in one broad swoop you know so it's a bunch of little things that he does that brings the best out of other players and i think that's always the greatest mark of a leader is do you make other players and and your teammates better and i think there's no question that that dame does that it's it's never just about dame it's with dame it's always come on let's make you better so we're all better but interestingly, right now, Dame's in that mode where, you know what, I've got to make this happen because I see that as constructor right now, we're not getting it done. He still thinks they can all get there and get it done. But right now, he's pulling a little bit more weight than uh, than he's usually yeah. willing to do. If you had told me when Nurkic was having the issues in Denver that yeah. eventually got him sent out of town. If you had told me that he would be the linchpin on a on a yeah. perennial playoff team, and a large part of the reason, like his absence, would be a huge reason why they're missing the playoffs, and and a lot worse than they would be with him, I re- I really would have been shocked. Yeah, but like you mentioned earlier, they miss his defense, the the passing thing, like the downgrade in passing, uh, and Whiteside's been better this season than he ever has in his career, but he, Nurkic he has. He has something special when it comes to finding guys on offense. So, um, and and he's a fabulous defender. He's not oh, going to yeah. have the block shots that you know all the kind of easy metrics to to point to. But he is a phenomenal, phenomenal defender, particularly rim protection. But he's smart. He's got great hands and just moves his feet well. So they've missed that a ton. Yep. Well, this team is going to be fascinating to watch next week leading up to the trade deadline. Uh, you and I, we talked a little bit before the show. I have no clue what they're going to do. I, I could, I, they could go, they could do nothing. They could do everything. A- and I'd be equally surprised or not surprised. Yeah. And I, I think they're really curious to see, as I mentioned earlier, how this group looks. You know, now that they have McCollum. Now they have Ariza. How is this group going to kind of mesh together? And they're going to get their answers pretty quick with, with Houston, Lakers, Utah, Denver. 
they're gonna they're gonna get their answer before the all star break or before the uh, trading deadline comes. But it's still it's gonna be fascinating to see what Neil does. I'm I'm really really curious. Yeah, well, we are going to be back uh, the the day after the trade deadline, so that way we can you know discuss any moves made or not made. Uh, maybe maybe they don't make a move, and someone else snags a guy that would have been really helpful, and we can we can talk about that. Yeah. But either way, I mean, listen, trade deadline week is is always fascinating, and when you have a team that's you know in this in this sort of limbo stage, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing that in my article today on Dane that I think will probably get overlooked just because of some of his uh, more notable quotes in there, particularly the the back and forth exchange he had with Westbrook in that January 15th game. But yeah. what really took me back yesterday was him saying how much his back is still bothering him. If you remember in, in November, he missed two games because of back spasms and actually before that, it was three games that he had been playing with uh, the bad back. He took two games off, kind of came back and was still affected by the back. He says that back is still bothering him and he's still getting treatment for it, but he just hasn't talked about it. And he says, you know, you guys all think that's over with because I'm playing, but it's not. It, it's still bothering me. And I think that adds another layer to just how remarkable he's been but also how tenuous the season is that he's playing hurt. And if, if he does aggravate that again to the point where he's sidelined, boy, then, then it's white flag time for this team. But really interested to hear like how emphatically he said, look, my back has been killing me and it's still a problem. Uh, but he's playing through it, and he's playing through it at a very high level. Yeah, I mean, again, he's, I mean, peak of his powers right now, which is insane for a guy who, you know, was just he coming off some kind of sickness and, and has the back yeah. issue, you know? So, yeah. uh, you know, he's a trooper. Yep. <laughs> That's going to do it for this week, folks. Uh, don't forget to subscribe. Leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen, and uh, and, you know, follow us on the the athletic app so you get notifications when we drop a new episode and uh go read that piece i i mean really like jason you're doing some of the best work in basketball right now and this is another great story that especially you know in a, in a week right now where everyone's in such a weird you know everybody feels weird because of yeah kobe dying and it, it's nice to have these nice stories you know like you know uplifting so everybody go check that out um it, it's really fantastic Hey David, you're going uh you're going overseas, correct? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm going I'm going to be in Serbia next week. That is awesome. I'm pumped. I, this is I mean, you know, this is like basketball. Tell us what you tell us what you're going to do over there. So, this is kind of like basketball bucket list stuff. Um I'm going to the Partizan Red Star Derby in Belgrade, which is um Partizan and, and Red Star are, are two teams in the Adriatic League that uh are both in Belgrade. So, it's like a massive rivalry. And uh, it it is the craziest basketball environment in the world. Like this game, I, you know, if you Google the game or go on YouTube and, and look for video, it looks dangerous. Like the crowd is, you know, that into it. And how big a crowd are we talking about? You think? I think it's like 8,000 people. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a guess. I, I, I'm just, you know, pulling that out of thin air. Um, it's... Uh, yeah, I'm really excited about that. And, and not to mention, it just it just happened to work out 
Rick Pitino's team, the uh, Panathinaikos that he coaches right. in the Greek League, are also going to be in town that week. So I'll see them. And they've moved uh, the women's Olympic qualifying tournament from China to Belgrade. So I'll see our Team USA women while I'm there as well. It's very cool. Oh, yeah. It's an amazing like week of basketball. So I'm really looking forward to it. I get to visit friends. I'm actually going to watch the Super Bowl in Serbia. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe we'll have to have an episode where we turn the tables and I ask you questions. uh Uh-oh. Oh, oh man. That would actually be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I'd I'd be down with that. Kind of get a recap of your trip. Yeah, let's let's plan that maybe All-Star week. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, All-Star, by the way, that's another basketball bucket list thing because I've never been to All-Star weekend. You know what? I've been doing this over 20 years and I've never done an All-Star game. Are you, are you going? No. <sighs> you got my hopes That's up. the last thing I want to do during the All-Star break. <laughs> I, you know, I, I just have never been and uh, it, it just seemed like appropriate. You know, I, I don't want to be one of those... I don't want to be one of those guys that that doesn't embrace the opportunities as, as they come to me. And and for me, you know, like I don't I don't have to travel as much as you guys, so it's nice when I get the opportunity to you know, to pop in on stuff like this. And uh yeah, we're going to get some good some good audio stuff happening there. Um Rob Lopez, one of our producers will be in town, so uh it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to right it. On. Yeah. Uh so that's it for this week and uh yeah, we'll be back post trade deadline to to hopefully break down a you know huge trade for the blazers that's going to swing their season uh for for jason quick i'm dave defore thanks for listening both things play hard both things play hard god bless and good night